Mike. This is the A. I'm Reg Clay. And Norman G. See, I warned us that we would blast us. <laughs> and I did it anyway. Anyway, this is the A where we, um, we talk about life in the theater and the theater of life. <laughs> we have a fantastic guest, Michael Austin. How are you, Mike? Uh, I'm, I'm very well. I should uh, correct you, Michael Barrett Austin. Only Michael Barrett that's Austin. That's how people know me. I, yes. I don't. I don't care. No, 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 no. That's fine. Michael Barrett Austin. And we have talked about it. You came in Austin. Well, I became a, a bear. I added the bear. It's my real middle name, but I didn't start using it okay. until I joined the union. You know, if you if you join the union and there's another one with your name, you right. got to change your name. They That's get right. it. And there is a Mike. And there is another Michael Austin out there. It's a black guy who is apparently Probably involved in. Probably someplace else. <laughs> no, this is news to me. I'm going to look Area, him yeah. up and meet that. Oh, guy. in the Bay. Yeah, That's in the what Bay. He says, yeah. Oh. yeah. So, Michael Barrett Austin, uh, you're an actor. Uh, it sounds like you're a musician as well. A little bit, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I play guitar. I've done since uh, high school. I did violin for a lot of years before that, but uh, I haven't touched that in a long time. Still, mm-hmm. in, still in my parents' closets. Ah. And he played it in the show this summer. We did As You Like The guitar, it. yes. Yeah. Right, and that's how you guys know each other. Well, you yeah. guys have known each other for a while. Yes, before he, before he became a married man. Well, right, yes. He knew my wife, and uh, yeah, tan- tangentially. Wow, really, orbit, really cool. In the orbit. Mm-hmm. So we're happy to have you here, and uh, as I begin every week, how was your week, Norman? My show closes this weekend, yeah. and I just, I'm in, it's so funny, Reg, I pull into the parking lot, and Reg doesn't even pay attention because I'm not in my car. That's right, I'm waiting for a blue car. What's it called? <laughs> Titan- titanium, titanium Mist, Titanium Mist, I think is oh, the okay. designation of that color yeah. of the uh, Prius, because I had to drop my wife and stepson off at the airport now your old car totally passed away or no no so that the blue i had an old blue car little sportsy car i had to let that go so that we got this you haven't heard that story oh my god we we ended up getting i mean it's still counting up like over eleven thousand dollars and a new solar panel system for free um because there was a program where if you get your old car off the road they can give you some money towards a electric or a hybrid. So we got the Prius. We got a hybrid. This is through the city, or no? It's through. It's partly through the state, but it's um, it's a nonprofit that's doing that individually, and they come up with these um, grants for uh, these grants to um, help you get your car off the road. Because the state will give you like fifteen hundred, I think, max for an old car, um, but these folks gave seventy five hundred. And then we qualified for other ones. The state has thrown us some more. PG&E, I think, threw us 800 bucks. Um, well, because, like, our electric bill has gone up a good 40 bucks a month. So you do the math, and you're like, oh, okay, so 800 doesn't even. Now, is this a hybrid car that you have now? It's a hybrid. So, got yeah, i got to go plug it in when I, when I get home. Mm. Um, but, yeah, and then they, that program told the solar panel people, hey, these folks might qualify. So they came by, and in one day, they went up, put it all up on my roo- our roof, set it all up, and bang. Wow. And so now, and they, um, they... You don't really mean in one day. I mean in one day. They came and looked at the roof to say say whether or not it was you know, appropriate. And then they came back, and they threw up solar panels on the front and panels on the side, on the south side. Wow. I mean, back in the day, not only did you have to pay like $10,000 or something like that, but it would take a while. Well, wow. they had a crew. Uh, yeah. All these different agencies who do this. It's mm-hmm. sort of like Habitat for Humanity kind of stuff. But, uh, and so we had to provide them lunch. That's all we had to do. <laughs> that's, that's and we could deal. volunteer to help. But like a dozen people <coughs> came, and they helped, and they got them up there. And they, mm-hmm. you know, they, 
they put up the little the framework and then they put the panels up and they put them in place, hook it yeah. all up, and bam, put it into your electric box. Yeah. I've been reading these news articles about how San Francisco or the Bay Area is just so horrible because of, you know, just uh, gentrification or whatever. But these are the good stories, you know, because I don't think this would happen anywhere else. They stuck else. A, one of those signs, like a, a, an election sign in our lawn. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm going to move that because right now it's against the fence and I don't think people are seeing it. So I actually put it up against the house. Nice. Because I want people to see. Like when you hear those commercials, all those commercials that tell you you can get free solar, you can. That's amazing I, 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 because my father always, you know, he's he's a very practical man, a very mm -hmm. wise man. And he he always talked about how, you know, it because of it's America, it's capitalist, like <coughs> you, you really need to have those incentives in place to work. So he's like, you know, we're never going to run out of gas. It's just going to get too expensive. And then we'll right. actually find a solution and, we'll and, stop, right. and pursue it. And that same thing with solar panels. I've always thought, well, that sounds amazing, but I'm sure I can't afford to do right. it. Well. And you've heard it because they say it in the commercials. You don't own the panels. They own the panels. The power goes through. You get the, fi you get the, fi you know, the financial benefit of mm -hmm. it. Yeah. But they do that. And what they're doing is they estimated it at 140% of our usage, not counting the car. Mm -hmm. And so if it's working to maximum effect, we're putting power back onto the grid. Right, right. But you won't get paid because you don't own the grid. If you had owned the grid, then you would get money back from, like, PG&E, right? No, no, no. We get so – You do get money. No. So PG&E is charging us for our usage of energy, right? Mm -hmm. With the energy that's coming off the grid at 140 percent, mm -hmm. that means ours is paid. Excellent. We're putting more money back into PG&E than we will be – now with the car we're using mm – -hmm. <laughs> You know, we're going to yeah. be using more than that. But it's like you don't get a bill anymore or, you know, you're – You'll still get a bill, and it'll tell you what your credit is. It'll ah, tell you those nice. months where Very nice. you actually get a credit. No, that's awesome. That's awesome. Everyone should be doing that. Like we're actually going to look out this next bill because of Thanksgiving, which is the other thing. Uh, <coughs> they went off to Boston to mm -hmm. be with family, and I'll yeah. be joining them after my show closes. Um, but uh, the car's just going to sit for a week. Mm -hmm. And so all that solar is just going to be generating power with us not using any power or very little power. The yeah, village. yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's, you know, this is, this is a good deal. Yeah, it's a very good deal. But, yeah, the other thing I touched on, which I'm hoping we'll talk about, and it was one of the things I mm -hmm. mentioned when I invited Michael, was my show's closing. And I have had this amazing few years now, like two, three years mm -hmm. of just – pretty continual work and i'm like okay what's next <laughs> yeah and it's a little freaky oh the other thing that happened this mm -hmm. week is i went out for my first i have an agent right yeah i went out for my first audition with my agent didn't get it well it's okay right i know it's like that, no, one, that one lasts you'll you'll it's a real you'll numbers game the, uh, the right exactly world. yeah so i figured you know that might be a good subject. yeah but, sh but she's got faith in you and she's putting you out there so you know she didn't feel that you couldn't go out there. She oh, she's there. been driving me crazy with the whole getting the photos. No, this has been mm -hmm. going on since like August, September. Yeah. And finally, <coughs> she has a picture that she approves of and it's up and mm -hmm. bing, somebody said, yeah, send that guy in. Nice. Very nice. I feel like you've got a good look for the uh, commercial. Well, we're fighting over facial hair now. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> I had to get headshots and I had my little sideburns and she said, what's that in the photo? Um, I'm going to ask him to Photoshop that out, which he's done. 
Okay. Because you can't really see them, so it's just a little, you know, a little I, wisp I, of stuff. I think I like it. Make sure you know. No, well, when you're here and you can yeah. see me in three dimensions, you can see it. But from the photo straight on, it's yeah. just this little wisp of, of yeah. you know, curly. It, 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 it makes you look like a makes you look like a black um, John Quincy Adams. <laughs> Well, I'm liking it, and I'm and she's saying so. When you go to auditions, I, I think you should be shaved. And I just, I didn't respond. I'm like, no, I'm gonna pick the audition and yeah. see what it is. If yeah. I'm going out for forty to fifty, yeah, I'll shave. If I'm going out for fifty or above, no, I'm gonna keep it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, agents will catch some weird things. I remember not this last time, but the time before, I got headshots and. I thought that, you know, I picked my shot. It looked great. I sent it to my agent. She was like, oh, you got a vampire tooth. And <laughs> just one of my teeth was slightly over my lip and the smile. That was my tooth. But she said that people are going to notice that and think you have a snaggle tooth. And so they had, she had him go in and airbrush my lip over the tooth. It was so funny. Well, that's what, yeah, that's what I'm realizing because I get frustrated. As an actor, I want to be known for my talent. Yeah. But no, for commercial work, <laughs> you want to be neutral. Yeah. It's the cup of coffee or the car or the you know right. whatever the product is, and we just want you to be holding it. Mm-hmm. It's the look. I mean, that's what's great about commercial auditions to me is I never take it personally. I know mm-hmm. that they're looking for an exact thing. Right. I'm going to be that or I'm not. You know? Right. Yeah. And yeah. No, I'm looking forward to that. That the, Yeah, I didn't feel bad at all. In fact, I was happy that I felt good in the process. I bumped into a couple of people that I know. Oh, nice. Yeah, so I'm like, oh, cool. Very cool. It's a real different world, but uh, it can be fun, too. Yeah. Enjoy Just before we get into current events, so, you know, when we bring people on the yay, it's wonderful that we have connections and, that, you mm-hmm. know, it's, it's just theater is, is such a community, you know, even when we're not on stage. So Radica, we had Radhika Rao on, and I was asking her for – we're going to be collaborating for a couple of one acts that I've done. She's going to be directing some oh, stage nice. readings that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And I hung up on the phone with her, and then she called me back immediately. She's like, hey, can you do me a favor? I've got to do a, uh, di- a video um, audition. Can you read for me? Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, sure. So, you know, when do, where do I need to show up and all this stuff? No, 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 right now, just over uh. the phone. And so she emailed me, you know, the sides, and I did it, and I don't know how she did. But, I mean, you know, on the phone I could hear her do it. I never mm-hmm. thought of that. That's and I was idea. like. <clears throat> cool. That's uh, that's awesome. So it's wonderful when people can help each other out, and uh, you never know what resources you have. It's right. like, hey, you know, I need someone to do a reading. Hey, let me call somebody. So <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I love those self-tape auditions. Saves you a lot of parking commute and uh, you know whatnot. Yeah, so we have some we have some love hate. You know, it's, it's I sometimes do. it's nice I, to. I, I get frustrated, but I'm I'm getting better at it. Well, theater, at, I'd rather be in person for sure. But for commercials, uh, you might as well just you know. Sure. Yeah, you just want to see the what they look anyway. like. Anyway. Right. Yeah, exactly. So there's some current events. Well, the big thing was the impeachment hearings. What did you oh, think? What did you guys hearing? think? <laughs> oh, is that going on? Yeah. Every t- that's why fresh air wasn't on when I turn on the radio. And it's frustrating. <laughs> Boy, this interview is really boring. What's right, exactly. Name? What is the woman's name? Faith Hill? Uh, <laughs> well, I think that's a singer, but Hill is definitely her, her name. Um, I was focusing Fiona. on so- Fiona Hill. That's exactly yeah. right. Holy cow. Yeah, boom. And Sondland. BP, BP. So- yeah, Sondland did an excellent job. Sondland, what, Thurston Howell the third? What the <laughs> hell? <laughs> yeah. I'm yes. really rich. I don't remember. I didn't take notes. They won't let me have my notes. And that day came out a thing saying mm-hmm. uh, he has full access <coughs> to all of his notes that yeah. he didn't take. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a real clown parade. I don't really – you know what's funny to me about the, the impeachment hearings is mm-hmm. – that there's so it seems like it's so much procedure and so much back and forth on essentially a 
pretty minor point in to, to me mm -hmm. in the panoply of all the things I think Trump should not be president for. Mm -hmm. This seems like such a minor one, right. and it's interesting that we just have to find that clarification. It reminds me of how they went after um, gangsters for tax evasion. Oh, yeah. sure. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's like, well, we got to just get them on something that right. works in the law, even though, you know, there's all these other things. I don't even think Biden's a front runner. You know, I'm not a, right. he's no favorite of mine, but it's yeah. just interesting that <coughs> that's what it ended up being. Well, it'll thing. be, mm -hmm. yeah, I've, I've always used the analogy, you know, like, you know, let me know when there's a stake on the on the on the plan. Right. You know, because right now there's old potpourri. But right. I mean, if there is quid pro quo, if there is actual you know federal money yeah. that he dangled yet yeah, to, <laughs> well, I mean, I, I want to see some paperwork. I want to see you know something because I'm hearing words. I mean, there's a lot of circumstantial there's evidence. There's more documentation even now. Like I just saw a thing mm -hmm. today that was this connects Giuliani and yeah. Pompeo and I forget who the third was. And I'm like, this you you're I I. You don't need to hear Donald Trump say, hey, do a bad thing for me, when the people working for him says, hey, the president wants this. That's right. Exactly right. And if they can get Giuliani, if they can get someone on record to say – or Giuliani on record to say, hey, listen, I did what the president told me to do. There I'm you go. I'm afraid of having Giuliani Oh, on man, I love the portrayal of him on Saturday Night Live yeah. uh, oh. by – what's her name? Uh, a female actor. Not McKinnon. I think so. I think oh, Kim McKinnon does really? And he, it's like a Nosferatu. Yes. Oh, funny, <laughs> funny. So like, it's very good. It's very good. Check it out. Yeah. Michael, what, what are your thoughts just on the Trump administration? Were you shocked <laughs> when he got elected and, and how? Um, yeah, sure. I mean, gosh, yeah, wouldn't it be funny if uh, you didn't know I was actually a Trump supporter? No, I'm, <laughs> I'm not. But um, I never know. My thoughts, yeah. I mean, it's, I'm not too political, but in this case, it's been pretty rough. I, you know, my biggest thought, I, like everyone else, I live here that I know. I live in this bubble, and so – we had a party to watch the election results, you know, and we all had our <laughs> Hillary shirts on, and and we were just like, uh oh, like that's this can't be, you know, it's, it's, it's such mm -hmm. a shade of disbelief for a while. And what was I, my biggest thoughts on it? Are number one, I'm really glad my daughter was too young, and kind of still mm -hmm. is too young to be very aware. Mm -hmm. That's uh, right, she was just born. So at that point, she was very yeah, um, probably one or two. So she's four now. So mm -hmm. so I. Because our friends had a daughter who cried because, you know, mm. they'd sort of talked to her up like, this is going to be the first woman president. And oh, no. so I was just so mm. glad I didn't have to explain this bully right. one uh, because that was so rough. And, and so to me, the bigger issue, like, yeah, there's a, a ton of things I don't like about Trump. But for me, it's, it's sort of personal and that I got very used to. For me, President Obama was the first time in my life where I had a president who, when he spoke, sounded like I talk yeah. in yeah. a way like yeah. right. He, right. not to even compliment myself he's <coughs> more well spoken than I am for sure but he just he was smart and well right. thought out and measured and uh, and I was just proud that that was the representation of our country right. when I'd yeah. see him you know right. and so, so then to have someone who I feel so the opposite about just very embarrassed um, right. and somebody who would be better off on the Jerry Springer show right yeah, so yeah. to paraphrase what something I thought again my, my wise father said about it when the election was going on is it's not even so much it's not a shock that Trump exists in the world that right. someone like that exists and has somehow made a successful life mm -hmm. the shock is that America picked him and right. you know you can talk about whether Who there was Russian where, influence yeah. or yeah. whether they really picked him but enough people <laughs> voted for him and are still in favor of him and yeah. as my father said like that that's just some says something really dark about where the country mm -hmm. is yeah um, anyway for me the hardest part is that like 
we even have relatives, particularly on my wife's side, who support him, and I just, they believe this. I just can't believe he gets away with the image of being a common man. You know, he right. hates the common man, yeah, obviously. Of course. Or yeah. Christian. So, yeah, 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 exactly. You know, it's funny. I, I have a, uh, a co-worker who mm-hmm. is a, uh, a longtime um, cop, and now he's an inspector. Mm-hmm. And he's the friendliest guy. I mean, he's it's, it's almost like he's right out of Mayberry. You know, mm-hmm. he's just friendly. And But, of course, we were talking. I was like, so. And I, I mentally buckled my seatbelts when I asked him, so, what do you think about the hearings? And he's a Trump supporter. Right. Um, and he says, you know, I don't like Trump, but, you know, I just don't like what the other side is doing. And he kept on using they, 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 meaning the Democrats. Right. right. And it's amazing. I mean, it's almost like a cult. It's almost like church. It's almost like telling someone mm-hmm. who's been, you know, a Christian for 25 years, right. you know, God doesn't exist right. or something Jesus like that. Jesus doesn't exist. R- right. <laughs> and, and you know, people just, they don't want to let go of mm-hmm. just like core faith. I mean, that's the yeah. thing that remi- r- rem- that's remarkable about Republicans in general, right. how loyal they are. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, maybe Democrats too. Like, the, I think yeah. the two-party system is pretty broken, right. you know, yeah. if it ever wor- was a good idea. Which is partly how we got here, yeah. 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 And so then, right, so I liked the idea of someone who came from outside of politics, but mm-hmm. not yeah, but this wasn't the solution yeah. either. So. But I just don't know how loyal uh, Democrats are. Like another thing in the news, right. Biden uh, went to a, um, a gathering, uh, I think, of Latinos, and they booed him. You know, they basically was like, you know, they were chanting um, because they don't want deportation at right. all. Right. And Biden was trying to say, well, listen, <laughs> if they're individuals who commit a serious crime like rape or drug use or things like and that. some of them are good people. <laughs> Well, yeah. Well, I mean, due process is necessary. I mean, you know, right. you can you, you don't have to deport. I mean, you can pro- you which goes them. back to broken system. If mm-hmm. we had due process set up, we wouldn't even be having this discussion. I haven't heard anybody say they want open borders. Nobody credible has said that. But the other side keeps talking about they want open borders. I don't want everybody in the world coming here. Right. I just want everybody coming here fairly. Right. That's all I want. Yeah. And the system right now is so not fair. Mm hmm. And it's intentionally convoluted to keep it not fair. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Biden, of course, did not articulate himself very well, which is his biggest problem. Boy, Biden. <laughs> so, um, I mean. I still say I want to give up Hunter. So, Republicans, if we agree that Hunter Biden did something bad, then anybody who's done that has to go. So you can have Hunter and the whole Trump family. Oh, and Trump. Uh, all of them. Mm-hmm. You, you, if if that's your thing, if that's bad, if that's the wrong thing, sure, I'll give you that. You can. I hate that. I think it stinks of corruption too. Mm-hmm. And anybody who does that needs to go. Yeah, there you go. And let's just <laughs> line them up and get them to. Yeah, I mean that's a lot of uh, a lot of Washington you'd have to I know, yeah. I know. <laughs> so tech wise, um, we work. So as I walk along Sixth and Seventh oh, yeah, and yeah, yeah, Market. Yeah. There's a great big building, which is the WeWork building. I don't know yeah. who they displaced. But apparently they wiped out 20% of its staff. I mean, there's this yet another one of these tech companies that oh, had these imploding? big ideas. Yeah. And, of course, as a CEO, they didn't know – they had his head way too high and was – you know, he got some VC money and he spent right. the VC money. Right. And 
So do you know how what WeWork is? Is basically they rent. It's basically people renting out office space. Right. And that was their business model. And I guess you know they they bought the property, thought they would get all these rentals, didn't get all the rentals they wanted. Right. And now they have to cut all their staff. So that's yeah, that's yeah. That's one of these models that I just do not like. And and I feel like it's the whole all of these companies that are nothing more than a service provider on the internet. That's who we are. We don't have any employees. Yeah. We aren't doing it. But you also aren't adhering to all the regulations that already exist. Exactly. Regulation. Yeah. And yeah. when anybody starts to encroach on you, like, good God. Yeah. You know, Jewel, <laughs> Jewel must be hurting right now because they just had to cut their product. They've actually oh, Jewel. J-U-U-L. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They um, – uh, this with this the murders in Orinda suddenly mm-hmm. you know I um, heard about the popcorn deaths going the popcorn deaths if people smoke jewels especially young kids apparently their lungs just sort of explode oh I've and seen they, some think, an image of that yeah yeah have you heard about this Michael <coughs> oh gosh I, yeah. I mean obviously I heard that yeah but uh, yeah you have these millennial CEOs that have these great ideas and then when someone says hey you should regulate some of this stuff right it's as if you know your father's coming in hey you right. know, put that thing down right. and, they, and they just want to rebel yep. but it's like no 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 it's for the safety of the people and also if your business model has a problem just fix it you don't have to rebel against the system I mean that's a problem with with um Zuckerberg, right. Facebook. Right. Um, I can, I can, you know. I signed up for um, the uh, the wiki, um, wiki social. Uh huh. Oh, did the, the, the other platform? Yeah, I I still haven't gotten on. Yeah. <laughs> but I signed up. Yeah. Because I'm like, okay, I'm I'm yeah. done with. I'm done with this. Also, Elon Musk. So this is a funny one. Oh, lordy, <laughs> that thing. Have you seen it? Oh yeah, the triangle truck. Yes. That's what I call it. Oh, I mean, it's a trapezoid. It's worse oh, than a triangle. Oh, the future car idea. Tr- yeah. I mean, how are you going to get – I mean, and <clears throat> folks who buy trucks, I mean, these are like, you know, right, blue-collar workers, Ford F-150. The and, guy who wants the Ford or the Dodge. Yeah, exactly. They're who, not looking at this thing. How are you going to get middle middle folks in you know living in the middle Midwest to mm-hmm. buy this thing? And then you proclaim it's bulletproof. It's shatterproof. No, I didn't hear that. Here, let me. Oh, there's a video of it. Oh, this is fantastic. What happened? He grabbed a ball, a metal ball, and oh. it was like, okay, I'm going to throw this at the window. Watch, it's bulletproof. There's no even need to even promote this. He throws it, it breaks. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> then he's like, oh, let me try the other one. It broke again. This is you like know, the Titanic was an unsinkable. <laughs> yep. Oh, God. When that did was our so world funny. become a comedy routine? <laughs> oh, my. And Elon Musk is smarter than that. I mean, geez. Supposedly. Well, supposedly. And the last thing, on a sad note, and more into the Bay Area, the flight deck. I was yeah. hoping you'd get there. Oh, okay, yeah, I knew it, y'all. See, I'm the only person who's not mourning this. Yeah. Because I watched it come into being. Yeah. And, and you know this. Um, you see these little theater companies. In fact, what was it? It was some theater company, and somebody said, there's too many theater companies in the Bay Area. Somebody else was starting a new theater company. There are too many theater companies. I used to feel that way, except that I've watched, um, like, oh, oh, who are the folks? They, um, uh, oh, God. I want to say no. Ragged Wang. No, off-market. No, I'm not, not the flight deck. I'm okay. talking about these other ones, like um, the off-market people. Um, ah. It's a little company, not little so much anymore. They're doing stuff. They don't use equity. Oh. Um, um, do you know who's in it? I mean, who's who runs it? Uh, no, I can't even think of his name. I can't even think of the company. They used to be off-market. That's what I know. They used to be um, – yeah. 
there were two little companies, and now they've split off, and, mm-hmm. and that's years ago. Yeah. Uh, they're doing well. They have full seasons. They're doing just fine. They have found a business model that works for them. Yeah. The flight deck never did. It started off with a big grant and then no plan for what you're going to do after that money is spent. Yeah. So that's what they're saying is, oh, our five-year lease is up and we've already spent the money and we're not making it at the door and we're not getting the grants we need and we can't keep this going with the overhead that we have. Yeah, yeah. It's like, well, I could have told you all that when you started. Yeah, and the thing is, I keep on, you know, like I, there were a couple of, like I had Cecilia Palmtag, there were a couple of companies that operated out of the flight deck. Right. I remember doing some rehearsals there, but I, you know, recently I just not, not seen any advertisements at all. What's right. happening at the flight deck? And I'm like, well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. They never, they never raised it to that level yeah. where they were a sustainable thing. You can't have a bunch of little companies who all charge, you know, $10 for their tickets. Mm-hmm. And in a forty seat house, yeah, yeah, it is. eighty maybe, but sure, um, yeah, you can't, you can't do that, <clears throat> yeah. So, and on the flip side, Bendelstiff is celebrating its thirtieth anniversary. Yay. They've got a gala, and I saw the ticket prices, and they're almost sold out. Oh, that's and great! I think the ticket price is like seventy five dollars, mm-hmm. but they have a business model, yeah, uh, you know, based on Philippine heritage, but also right. they rent out. A very a wonderful black box theater. You've got to you've got to you've got to have both those things. Yeah, and where are they the based problem. again? They're based there on fifth. Sixth. And I no, they're s- on sixth. They're on sixth. Okay, yeah, sixth and uh, it's, it's off of mission. Sixth and Harrison. Yeah, so they're in the. I just yeah. I mean, the, so the sad side of losing the flight deck is just like why can't theater companies based in Oakland survive? They like, can't. That's yeah. crazy. The city me. needs to support more. So that part is true. Yeah, I mean, yeah. theater first used to be Oakland, and then they sort of lost that. So they were, you know, in well, the, and uh, they did. They went through every theater first. I, I watched that company go through every permutation. I've seen them in so many different spaces, um, and when they were most successful, their landlords would go, "Oh wait, we didn't think you were going to be that successful. We actually don't want to keep this relationship yeah. with you." Oh, what a shame! Because they'd go into spaces that really weren't. They'd mm-hmm. go in and build out a space. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly they're getting foot traffic, and suddenly people are talking about it. And the next year, the landlord's going, uh, yeah, we're not going to renew your lease after this. We're, we're getting interest in the space, so you're out. And that happened to them a handful of times. Yeah, yeah well, they've really changed who they are, you know, and, and the latest incarnation's amazing and just making mm-hmm. these huge, setting huge goals. And, right. And so far, making it, which is, you know, I think mostly due to the blood, sweat, and tears of John Tracy, who's leading Agreed. that company. Agreed. Uh, I'm part of the, I forget what we're called, not a board, but sort of a group uh, of yeah, helpers, advisors. Advisory committee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I mostly do copy editing and stuff because that's what I'm good at and that's what I have time for. But mm-hmm. I, I'm just amazed what what he's doing and trying to do there. And right. I, I went to see the, uh, the creepy uh, From the Ground Up Halloween okay, show yeah. uh, last week, and it was really great. I mean, just great use of what do we have? Right. This kind of talent, this kind of idea, what can we do with it? And just so many people worked on that show. And, and, and not really just ground level because he's gotten all those guys, um, you know, he's got that little pool of black talent, nationally known black talent, who is happy to put a toe in every now and then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There you know, go. It's, it's amazing, but that's in contrast. Flight Deck, right. Ragged Wing wanted to keep doing what they'd been doing, mm-hmm. which was working on the cheap. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I, I understand that. I don't have a problem with that. But when you take on a facility 
you can't now keep the identity of working on the cheap. Yeah, exactly. Because at the very least, you have to. You have to, at the very least, become a very least become a a uh, you renting it out. You have to suddenly become a space a facility manager. Yeah, you have to. Yeah, and it's not enough to just to have a dark box. Mm -hmm. That's not going to do it for you. You got to keep that thing busy. Yeah, exactly. (coughs) And you got to reach out to the community in a way that the community responds to. Yeah, just takes so much. I I'm a member of Just Theater and have been for a long time. Mm -hmm. And and you know we've always been small and we used to sort of do at least to a year probably for a short time and you know now all the leadership of that has aged up and has other real jobs and <coughs> children and and so we're sort of always on the edge of like well should we still exist or not because mm-hmm. we know we don't have there's no one who wants to do all that legwork to mm-hmm. sort of keep the company going although we're all passionate about theater and the kind of theater we've done and proud of it so so it's a lot of co-production now that's sort of the model that well, and I see and that's the sort of thing I would encourage I love that because then you know you've got all this talent, this experience, and when they come together, they create something new. It's that to me is gorgeous. That's why I don't say anymore there don't need to be new theater companies. I think it's you know my my analogy for Bay Area theater has always been that it's like a compost heap, <laughs> and if you've ever seen an outdoor compost heap where all this green just flourishes and then it buds and there's flowers and it mm-hmm. looks so incredible, it looks like a little jungle. And you come back a few weeks later, and it has choked itself out, and it is black and molding. Because yeah, too many, too many, too many plants are trying to grow at the and same time. And that's what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, custom made. That's yeah. the other uh, theater yes. I saw. Yeah. I remember when custom made started, and they were sharing a space, mm-hmm. and they became because there was disagreement. They became two separate theater companies, yeah. and then they still kept going. Are they sharing space at the Sheldon or the building where the Sheldon is? Well, at? they're in the Sheldon. I'm yeah, saying that. before they're at yeah, the yeah, Sheldon. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and so at that point, it was like, who are these people? And I ignored them at first because I think I had just become equity. So I kind of ignored them. But then I directed a piece, and the guy I was working with had a connection. And they hosted us, and they let us bring our piece in for a weekend. They gave us a free weekend with a little bit of tech support. I'm like, wow, this is the way that you create theater and make mm-hmm. theater. And now they have regular seasons. They're doing great. And they keep toying with the idea of becoming equity. <laughs> yeah, they've I done keep a hearing few. rumor. I know. Mm-hmm. I know equity people have worked there. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's always – I mean, every time I think of a company that once they start a, a theater, they have the artistic stuff down, but mm-hmm. they don't have the business model down. And I don't think they need to because this also takes us into equity. Exactly, yeah. And what happens with equity and equity squashing companies. And I'm like, if that little company wants to stay on that level, I don't have a problem with that. You know, I think like the BAP is the place where there's mm-hmm. a lot of contention sure. because it's not a contract, it's an agreement. Mm-hmm. You're basically saying this actor can go volunteer their time with this company and they don't want anybody to abuse that. That's fine. But I know little companies that only want to do one or two shows a year. Mm-hmm. I think they could do that into per- perpetuity. I don't well, have sure. a problem yeah. with that. If they want to bring in talented people like me, showcase me, mm-hmm. and they only do it once or twice a year, I don't have a problem with it. Yeah, but the way it's going now, like Anton's well, mm-hmm. couldn't hire me this season because they are technically they've been around for more than three years. So the BAP it says, and it's funny, it's a weird little equation. Uh-huh. It doesn't say it's limited, but Equity is interpreting it as if it's limited. Sure, you know, no more <coughs> than six shows in a three-year period. Yeah, average. Yeah, you don't want to raise a red flag. And, and you so, know, yeah. e- and so Equity just said no. You're over three years, no. And I'm like, wait a minute, you haven't even done six shows. 
you should be able – and then I mentioned that to some other people, and they were like, oh, yeah, I told Equity that. And they said, okay, and they let me do the show. And he was like, uh. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, everyone's afraid. Uh, yeah, well, that's an interesting thing about the union. It's great that it protects union actors. I've been in a long time now. But but at the same time, there's – yeah, there is a part of you that's like, but if I'm the actor and I'm in charge of myself and my life and I'd like to do this work mm – -hmm. It always kind of feels bad that y you can't, you know, yeah. um, because we don't, we didn't get into acting to make money. Like, I mean, right. that would be great, but, you know, I sort of knew going in that it was never going to be my one source of income. So I'm okay. With, I'd rather play a great role and work with people right. I like and make very little, maybe, you know, than I don't know. Yeah. I could see some small company saying, oh, I want you for Tally's Folly. And you might go, holy cow, that's a role... I would love to do, and if y'all do even a little bit of publicity, <laughs> we should be able to get some good seats. Mm -hmm. This is a good role for me. I can showcase yeah, myself. And it, I mean, and again, like, as you say, you're uh, coming to the end of your show, and you're wondering what's next, and yeah, that, that goes into it, too. Like, I'd rather work than not work, even if it is just a stipend, yeah. you know. So. And no one should have to quit equity just to get into a show right. and help out a company that doesn't have the money or whatever. Well, it was funny, because I think it was Mara, or some, it was some non-theater person saying, well... Doesn't the union do anything to to help you know mm -hmm. nurture more work for you? And I'm like, mm, think about the musicians' union. They don't do that. That's beyond their purview. And that I don't have a beef with the mm -hmm. union about. That is you. It is not your job to make producers or help producers. That's not your role. Yeah, that's fine. I just don't want you to get in the way. Get right, exactly. And with that, let's uh, transition into an origin story. Michael Barrett Austin. <laughs> How did you get involved in theater? Where were you born and raised? Uh, pretty close to here, South Bay. Uh, well, I was born in Southern California, but we were up oh, here, uh, Santa Barbara. Ah, uh, beautiful. Yeah, day before an earthquake, the whole hospital rolled. 89, <laughs> is that right? Uh, no, no, sorry, I'm not that young. Uh, this is a smaller Southern California earthquake okay. back in the uh, 70s. Uh, yeah. Late 70s. And uh, so, yeah, so I was, we were there a couple of years, and then uh, Orange County for a very short time, and then Palo Alto for a short time, and then Los Altos. So we're you have siblings? Nope. I'm only, only child. child oh, yeah. right. And uh, my parents were both from back east, but they uh, they moved out here pretty quick. After they got married, they met at University of Virginia. Ooh. All right, uh, Cavaliers. Yeah, that's right. Very good. Yeah, my uh yeah, my dad was a Pittsburgh native, and uh, my mother Virginia, and mm -hmm. uh, so yeah. ended up there together. And of course, the first two years, my mother went to University of Virginia. Women couldn't go there. She actually oh, went really? to Mary Washington, oh, the wow. women's school. <laughs> but then, uh, by the third year, women uh, were allowed to. Uh, Very nice. Did you uh, did you get involved in theater when you were young? Like um I did. Uh, I think uh, you know I was the kind of kid that was always running around doing commercials, you know, imitating everything I saw. Mm. So mm -hmm. I think my my mom <laughs> spotted that and got me into some stuff. Uh, we had a little bit in in grade school in public school, uh, which was great. I remember being a narrator in Peter Rabbit, uh, you know, and thinking I was the only one, and then realizing. You know, it looked like a big roll on paper, but turned mm -hmm. out they'd split it up. I remember, oh, remember that. Uh -huh. I also remember another formative experience was doing uh, a production of Robin Hood. It was like a summer camp thing my mom signed me up mm. for when I was around 10. And that was a great lesson that always stuck with me. They didn't – my – my memory of it is they didn't make clear when the off-book date was, when you <laughs> had to be off-book. And uh, yeah. I had a supporting role, Eric of Linden. And uh, I, I, I just wasn't off-book like the week before. And 
And they, I remember, like, the director came down real hard on me, and she was like, you got to be off book, or we're going to give this part to someone else. And I had to go home and memorize the whole thing that night, and it came back word perfect. And ever since then, I've learned my lines really <laughs> early because I never want to <laughs> face that again. You know? wow. Uh, wow. Yeah, so that was good. And then I, was, I definitely took drama in junior high, sort of still just dabbling in it. And then in high school, I really got into it, uh, both at my high school and with the uh, local youth theater, which was called the Los Altos Youth Theater. Mm. And, uh, yeah, I mean, what was I always sort of liked it and felt drawn to theater, but I think in high school, I sort of really, I was like, oh, these are my people. Like, this is my place. Uh, you know, I just sort of like-minded, really fun, dynamic people. I also, the youth theater had people from like 10 to 20 in it. So it was like a chance to hang out with older kids and, and younger kids. And I, I liked that and kids from different schools. And so it was sort of a whole world beyond is what it felt like at the time. Mm. I also remember this sounds very after school special, but like unlike kids anywhere high school, the kids in the youth theater really didn't drink or do drugs. Like, ah. because we were just fun and oh, had not easier yeah. personalities. Yeah. 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 In high school they did, but not in the youth theater. Oh no, know? yeah, high school. Because there were yeah. younger kids around and also it was just like a, yeah, we just, I remember just patting ourselves on the back, like, we can have fun without that, because we right. just do crazy things anyway, you know. Uh, but also, like, you know, I don't, I suddenly was like, oh, I was kind of nerdy enough, I get, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't a popular kid, and so finding a place where I felt like I could, like, shine, and people would, like, recognize something, quote, special in me, was like, it mm. meant so much, like, every mm. kid should have that wherever they can find it, I mm -hmm. think, um, and, but also feel like you earned it. And I don't mean just mean like, you know, give every kid a trophy. I just mean like a place where you can go work hard at something, be a part of something, mm -hmm. and then feel like you are recognized for it. And that really meant so much. You know, right. and I, I don't think, you know, and then every girl I ever dated I met, you know, in the theater. Mm -hmm. Because that mm -hmm. was a place where I was confident and like, sure. and you look, I think you people are attractive when they're doing what they like and they're mm -hmm. good at, you know, and so. So that meant so much. Like, I really just, I can thank most of the great friends I've had and most of the great loves I've had. You know, my I would never have met my wife if it weren't for theater. You know, just ah, like everything. we got to hear that story. Yeah. yeah, it was all, everything I am grateful for in my life, I feel like, came to me through theater. So I love it as an art and a profession, but I also am so grateful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, as Mitch, you were mentioning high school. Um, and Norman and I have talked about it off and on, but D.C. was really going through a transition of, just crack cocaine and uh, really a lot of unpleasant violence, um, mm -hmm. especially younger people. Um, it, and it was a phenomenon that didn't happen prior to the 80s. Mm -hmm. And theater sort of protected me. It was one a place where I could, it's like, oh, my God, you know, I'm going to be sent to this high school. But then I went to Duke Ellington School of the Arts. Right. And it was an insular place where like-minded people. you found on your own or your parents found? Not found it on my own, you know, because they were really, I mean, my, my parents knew that I liked, you know, giving speeches and doing things, and I did little plays in junior high school or whatever, but as far as a career path, basically, the high school would, I mean, the junior high school would just send you to a school, you know, it's mm -hmm. like, okay, well, you're within this region, so you're going to go here. Right. So I would have gone to Coolidge or Roosevelt, and a lot of these schools were just really, really violent, and a lot mm -hmm. of you hear a lot of things. But then I saw on a uh, I went on a bus and saw the caption. Hey, you can audition for Duke Ellington, but you have to learn uh, get get a book. You know, learn right. uh, a monologue, doing monologue yeah. and all that stuff. 
and I did it. And um, but just like you were saying, it was very insular. All the kids were focused on, hey, I got to get off book. We got to learn about beats, and you know they gave us a book on Stanislavski and like fifteen-year-old kids. We got to learn this stuff. Mm. And uh, but it was very very cool, and all of us were sort of on the same path. Why? Well, so. I, I mean, I'm very grateful to hear that that opportunity existed there in that world, and for you because I something I think about these days a lot. Um, at least in the Bay Area, you know, we're very conscious of like uh, just trying to have a more a more diverse and representative world in the theater that mm-hmm. represents the real world uh, or the world we want, as John Tracy likes to say about mm-hmm. theaterverse. Um, and so I sometimes think like, you know, I did I fall into theater just because that's what nerdy white kids did where, you know, and mm-hmm. where I live, that was the opportunity. Like, I don't know what else it would have been, but maybe there would have been something else. Anyway, so I think about that a lot when I think about just like how much of it was luck, you know, that mm. I had that opportunity and yeah. gone to that. And well, it sounds like you had some talent. I mean, it sounds like you, well, you know, <coughs> if you were uh, doing speeches, you know, in junior high school, I imagine you were very articulate. I mean, um, it sounds like your your parents gave you a book, you know, to – it sounds like you were reading at an early age. Probably. I, yeah, no, that is true. I, there's a funny story about I, I couldn't um, – I didn't walk until quite late. Mm-hmm. Uh, I sort of was a, a, a sitting child. I think about 20 months, uh, and so my parents got worried and went to the doctor and said, is there something wrong with him? Can we check it out? And I said, well, I don't know. Um, how many words does he does he speak? And mom said, I don't know. And he said, well, just count this week, and then we're back. And, you know, I don't know how old I was, but she counted, and she brought the number back, and it was, I don't know, 500 or something. And he, wow. and he didn't believe her, you know. Right. <laughs> he said, no, this can't be right, you know. And she said, no, that's that's definitely right. And he said, well, you have nothing to worry about. He's just lazy, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he's, he's, he's smart. <coughs> don't worry. No, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I have always had a love of words and language, which I'm sure helped. But I, I just mean, like, uh, yeah, as, as we sort of get more aware of our own luck and privilege. I don't. Mm. I don't mean I haven't worked hard, and that don't mean I. I don't think I'm. I'm good at what I do. But I just mean I feel lucky that it was an opportunity presented to me at a young age, and I'm glad to hear that it was an opportunity yeah. that presented itself to yeah, you in a different. Yeah, from a different and we've place. had so many guests go on who are teachers of theater for kids, mm-hmm. and arts is one of those. Things My lovely wife. Also. Y- oh, that's hey, that's yes. fantastic. Where. It, it sort of rottens the minds of kids. You know, kids mm-hmm. can learn wh- how they're special and how they can participate, but also just the diversity of theater. You know, there's no room for racism and, and misogyny and yeah. all that sort of stuff. Um, oh, so there's room. But well, there is room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, we, we've t- talked about but that. But we're also fortunate that we get pushed to, to expand, like, Oh, gosh, what was it? Somebody was talking about recently where – oh, Mara was talking. Mm-hmm. Um, they asked us to look at – they take photographs up in Richmond at the East Bay Center for Performing Arts. Um, they take a yearly – you know, these are the kids. So they asked the educators to look through the photos. And she said, oh, my God, it's like, you know, six or seven girls for every boy yeah, and mm. almost no black boys. And this is in Richmond. Ugh. And I was like, well – Hopefully, you're not the only person noticing that, and hopefully the folks in charge of the program are going to make some efforts to, to deal with that. Yeah. That's – you're in Richmond. You, <laughs> you better have that representation. Yeah, I'm very shocked to hear that. That's, that's not good. It's um, – things have been <coughs> changing. They just – they're in the process of celebrating their 50th um, mm-hmm. anniversary. Yeah. And there's been a lot of focus on that for the last couple of years. And they haven't given the same sort of attention to to reach outreach that they have. In mm-hmm. fact, they I remember a couple of years ago they're starting to try and do more outreach to the high schools 
and everybody who participated coming back with the same complaint. You know, it's just really hard. You try to connect to these young men mm-hmm. in that environment. And the culture there. Yeah, yeah. and they just, that's yeah, it's really yeah. hard to break through. And I'm like, well, yes, it is really hard to break through, but that's actually why you're getting funded. Yeah, is exactly. because you were here in this targeted area. You've you got to do that it work. It sounds like they need somebody like Javier Reyes. Who and that's why Hav ends up doing a lot of his own stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, he works through programs that support him mm-hmm. because I've also – and it's funny in this year, one of the things – I think you asked last time about each one reach one. And yeah. I'm like, I don't know. The last time they sent out an email asking for availability, I said I was available. And then they sent out another email about a month ago. And I was like, you know what? Right now I can't even think about this. It just doesn't pay very much. It's a huge hassle to get there and come back and forth. And it's another one of these programs where I'm like, I'm not sure if your focus is in the right place to accomplish what you're claiming you want to accomplish. There are these populations that we all agree need help. Mm Mm-hmm. You got to get us in those environments. I it's great when we go to San Mateo, for example, where it's a little safer. It's a different community. There's a different set of needs, mm-hmm. and we just all feel a lot easier going in there. But when we go into San Francisco Juvie, and you've got a bunch of, and it's mostly black guys because that's who's getting picked up, sure, um, who have got some anger issue or some, you know, they have some socialization issues, yeah, and all they know is how to kind of bully and posture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's an uncomfortable environment to be in. But but that's what's needed. That's what's needed. And people like me who have done it enough, I'm like, I go in. I put my armor on, and I go in ready to engage. Because I know when we finish the process, that same knucklehead is going to come to me at the end of the process and go, man, thank you. Really appreciate you. You know, you never gave up on me. No, I was here for two weeks. It was easy for me not to give up. And I remember at Duke Ellington School of the Arts, we used to do a thing called street theater where we took, you know, we did some, you know, either improvisation or let's say a couple of one-act plays or whatever Mm -hmm. and went out into the streets Mm -hmm. and just performed in front of, you know, audience members. And some were in very dangerous neighborhoods. That's where art is needed, and that's where arts can change people. I want – what happens is for nonprofit, they get to that comfort place. They need to find a funding stream. Yeah. That's just a reality. And they get to a comfort place, and they sort of – their mission becomes a little blurrier because they want to hold on to that. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate that. But if you're the mime troupe, please do something that is edgy and meaningful the way it was edgy and meaningful 20 years ago mm-hmm. and not the same recycled Berkeley headline crap that they've been doing forever now. I'm like, nobody – Nobody I know even goes to the shows anymore unless oh, you have a friend a in the show. Yeah. Because you know what you, you're going to get preached at. You're going to get left, you know, left liberal yeah. preaching. <laughs> and as opposed to what are the real you're problems? The choir. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. Rats was, I think, one of the last shows that I saw that I loved. And that was a good 25 years ago, what I think. What a shame. What a shame. Um, and. What I loved about it was it really did connect to the issues of the day, which is one of their things that mm-hmm. they try to do. But it did it in a way that didn't put it in some formula that either solved it because it's not that easily solved. Homelessness, if it was that easily solved, we'd be done with it. No, sure. it's an issue. Can you bring the issue to us in a meaningful way that has gives us a human experience mm-hmm. and then point us maybe towards mm-hmm. – if you want more, if you want to follow up, if you want to do whatever, do that. But Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I totally agree. So I'm wanting to work more with these sorts of organizations that outreach. 
but I'm always like I actually I need to check back in with Bill Lowry from SF Shakes oh, yeah. because they have some programs that do want to do that kind of outreach, and I am, you know, I'm exactly the person. He said, "You're exactly <laughs> what we need," and I'm like, "Okay, so let's talk about this because a, how much are you paying me? How much is the commute?" Because if I got to go across the bridge to San Francisco, uh, if I got to go farther than that. Right, right, exactly. And what are the populations that I'm going to serve? Because if I go down to the peninsula and I end up in a group where it's mostly girls and little white boys, that's not reaching out in the way that you said you were reaching out. Exactly, exactly. That's that's the low-hanging fruit. And yeah. nothing wrong with that, but you really don't need me for that. You can just get somebody off the peninsula to go teach yeah. that class. And to jump back to, um, to Mr. Michael. Barrett, <laughs> Michael, um, you went to Whitman College. How was that experience? I did. It was great for me. Uh, sadly, uh, <laughs> made fun of as white man college. They fought so hard to try is to diversify. Where is it? Uh, it's in Walla Walla, Washington. I, I oh, they great. might be doing better now. In my day, they really, man, they really were trying to just reach out to offer scholarships and get international students. So, that, if there's anything I would say that was like a little bit of a bummer, it was, uh, yeah, it was not very diverse, and so that wasn't much of a change from where I grew up either. Uh, but aside from that, uh, wonderful experience there. Uh, it, it was, it was just great. I mean, it was so much stage time for. Uh, Oh, hallelujah. For a, a man, at least. I mean, I was in probably, yeah, four shows a year. Oh, easily. very nice. Like, and that's just the main stage. And then mm-hmm. there was all sorts of great student activity. And uh, so just, like, tons of experience playing different roles. Great. They brought in artists uh, to teach us, you know, Shakespearean actors from mm. Broadway in England. And uh, so just a lot of great opportunity there to do a lot of different stuff. Uh, um, any any specific techniques at all or just the general stuff? No, it was pretty general for me. Uh, yeah, it took a few years of acting with different teachers. Uh, I remember uh, one particular teacher, Deborah Holmes, like she she's that teacher that like you know, made me cry and pushed me really hard. And at the time, I was like, what is she doing? And then looking <laughs> back, I'm like, you know, she's the one that really pushed me out of my box. And that was important. So so that's great, I think. Uh, there, there's a place for it. You know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, in, in educational theater. I, I'm less inclined to work with directors like that now, maybe in the professional world. Mm. Uh, but, but that was really, uh, uh, that was useful. And there were a lot of great acting teachers there who were very passionate about what they did. I mean, I've always said that, like, it's really, it's really the strength of the teacher more than the subject that mm-hmm. makes you passionate about something, and so those teachers were passionate about it, and, and that really did it for me. I, and that's where I first really I knew about Shakespeare before, and I'd done oh. some, but I had a great professor there who really he was a language teacher as well as a theater teacher. I think mm-hmm. he started in English department and then got sucked into directing. And so he taught a great Shakespeare class where they, you know, suddenly it was just like, oh, there's so many layers here. Like, not only is it a great story, which he probably borrowed, but, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, he's doing so much. And I just, you know, I don't only do Shakespeare or anything like that, but I just love, I love the layers that I think all good theater should have, which is if you're walking in there and this is your first ever play, mm-hmm. uh, there's something for you. Mm-hmm. You'll laugh, you'll understand the emotions, you can identify with it as a human being. Mm-hmm. But then the more you go or the more educated you are, you also get this reference and that reference and you see what he's doing with these layers of language and it's just like, it's a never-ending, uh, rich uh, thing to dive into, and that's why I don't get tired of it as long as it's being done well. Cool, very cool. 
Um, I noticed you do musicals as well. Do I you do. do more? Do you more serious stuff? I mean, what what type of an actor would you say you are? Oh, I'm. I would say I'm drawn more to comedy. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I always say my strength, which is unfortunately very hard to demonstrate in an audition. Uh, my strength is more in reacting and supporting. Uh, so, like, if someone has a funny line, like. I will make that laugh bigger. <laughs> I'll find a way. Yeah, like yeah, with what I'm doing with my face, my body, you know, yeah. that that kind of thing is what I love. Um, is that that collaboration? I mean, if I had to sum it up, like w- what I think theater is great for uh, is you're creating something that's a sum greater than the just the sum, a whole greater than the sum of its parts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like it wouldn't be the same without everyone's sort of agreed on working together and everyone's contribution to elevate the you know to make this thing that's yeah. just better than I got a big kick out of that with um, yeah I was going to go there the as as with as you like it I learned I mean to give an example exactly what you're talking about we would do a scene where Adam and Orlando would come r- arrive in the forest and Adam is is two steps from death basically he's just falling down and Orlando's got this wonderful speech where he's like come on come on it's not that bad let's keep going and, you know, and Adam's just not having it. And he finally says, okay, look, I'm going to go and I'm going to find something. Either I'll find something to eat or it's going to eat me, <laughs> which already sets up the laugh. And he says, um, so let me do this. And what is the line? Um, you know, if, and if not, I'll give you permission to die. Uh, right, yes. Uh, but if thou diest before I mm-hmm. uh, come back, then thou art a mocker of my But no, the line labor. that sets that up, because that would always get this laugh. And I was like, oh, I'm stepping on this laugh. And I had to learn just to hold my response until the audience's response. Mm-hmm. And then I would have a response which would even have another little wave of a laugh. And I'm like, holy shit. Yeah. I'm just, all I'm doing is hanging in with my scene partner, mm-hmm. following his timing, mm-hmm. and le- leaving space for the audience. And it is. It's that yeah. shared moment that just takes it to another yeah. level. There is a subtlety, and I sort of learned that. I had a big, a bit of a practice in that when I did uh, Women on the Verge, where mm. there are a bunch of lines, you know, funny lines, and it's a comedy. It's a comedy musical. Right. And there are a bunch of times where I'm only reacting, and just like what you were saying, Michael, I've got to feed the laughter. I've got to, you know, elevate it mm-hmm. based on my reaction. Like we had Mara on, Mara, um, the Philippine, young Philippine actress. Uh, uh-huh. Mara Sotelo. Right. So there was a scene where she's taking her clothes off, and as a cop, I'm having a reaction. Right. And I'm saying to myself during the rehearsals, okay, I'm not saying anything. I'm simply looking at her, and I'm looking at a bunch of other folks. I've got to find things to do. Right. And, of course, the director isn't telling me anything. Right. But that's the job of an actor. I mean, yeah, it's it not is. just you have lines and you're told to do something, but what do I find What is your function? What is your character's function in the scene? Exactly. And so I find little things. Like I was like, okay, I have a hat. So maybe I can do a Barney Fife and have the hat plop off mm-hmm. when she takes her thing off. And I found it like in the middle of the show. It was like, you know, the director's gone. Don right. Rick Williams is gone. And all of a sudden there's a laughter and uh, Mara's like, wow, you, you just found that. And I was like, yeah, that, that, you know, we help each other out. So <laughs> it's wonderful when you have those moments yeah. and you're still working as an actor. You're like, hey, hey, the rehearsals are over, but still, the work is, sti- is still to be done. Yeah, well, I will say that about our, you know, the, our summer run was prob- probably the longest run of one show I've ever done. Not necessarily the most shows, because right, we'd only right. do a few a week, but it was really great to get that time to live in the characters. And also to, 
it didn't get boring because of our switch of locations right. and all the different challenges. Right. Uh, Each location yeah. has different yeah. challenges. Yeah. So it, it never felt stale at all no, because of I those agree. challenges. Uh, yeah, it's very cool. Tell us a love story. How does you and your wife do? Ah, yes. Ooh. Well, uh, it's, it is a good story. We uh, So uh, she and I uh, met. We, we knew of each other sort of tangentially through theater. I'd been in a Kalshik's reading uh, directed by my friend Molly Anson Gelb, who knew her. Uh, and uh, Emily was sort of in charge of some Kalshik's education, <coughs> education stuff. Education stuff. That's how I met her. Yeah. So, uh, so, yeah. So I, I feel like that was the first time I was aware of her, but I think at the time I was still, I think maybe we were both still in uh, the relationships, and uh, and I sort of remember, like, somebody else in the meeting being like, oh, Emily, it's just, she's cool, huh? She's mm-hmm. really cute. And I was like, oh, I, I I'm not noticing. I'm in, <laughs> I'm in other relationships. But, um, but then uh, I had a pretty terrible breakup, and uh, I'd sort of given myself a month to not treat myself well, mm-hmm. uh, to... <laughs> To drink heavily and not sleep and uh, write sad songs on my guitar and, and whatever. <laughs> and I'd sort of like, I'm just going to give myself alone. that You're time. Yeah. And, uh, and around that time, I went to see, um, I believe it was uh, John Tracy's In the Wound. Uh, it, it was mm. a, uh, John Hinkle. It was a shotgun show that outside. Mm-hmm. And I remember I was going to my friend who was in that show, uh, Lafayette, who doesn't know the area anymore. But he was going to have a party that night. And it was like a solstice kind of a party where you... Uh, uh, burn like write down things you want to let go of oh and right, burn yeah. them in the fire. Oh wow, and I was like, this is perfect. I can't <laughs> wait. Like, mm-hmm. this is what I'm doing tonight. So I was at this outdoor show and I got a call from my friend Molly uh, and she said, uh, Molly Aronson Gelb, and she said, Hey, w- you know, w- we just found out about your uh, your your breakup. Do you want to like come over and have a glass of wine and talk about it? And I was like, Well, sure, but I'm supposed to go to this party tonight at uh, Lefts, you know. But I'm sure it's more the merrier. They said, "Oh, okay. Yeah, we were maybe thinking about going to that too. So we'll see you there. But but we were supposed to hang out with our friend Emily. Do you think we could bring her?" I said, like, ah, "I'm sure you can." And so he's, <laughs> he's that kind of guy. And uh, and yeah. So we go to this party, and I met her there, or reacquainted myself with Emily there. And it turned out she was just off a pretty bad breakup too. And you know, the nature of this party was sort of just sitting around a fire and uh, passing around bottles and and uh, you know, letting things go. And and I I I feel like I said things. You know that I probably would not have said to Emily were I purposely trying to mm-hmm. impress her or romance her. You know, just about uh, my uh, current bitter state. Uh, you know, I I don't remember specifics, but I feel like, but I feel like we were very candid with each other, and so it really set up uh, an intimacy. And so, uh, so we we met that night, and it was great. But at the at the end of that night, Emily said to me, "You know, this has been great, and, and we can hang out again. I like you, but I don't date actors." Uh-huh. She had a very strict no ma'am rule, no right. models, actors, and musicians. <laughs> okay. um, and okay. so, you know, I, I took that Smart. as a challenge. Uh, <laughs> and I went home, and uh, so I thought, well, I'll just uh, come up with something that doesn't seem like a date. And so I got tickets to some Berkeley rap show, I think, was the next thing, you know. And I had two tickets, and I, call, I wrote her, and I was like, hey, you want to go to this, uh, this show with me? It's not a date. We're just going to see a play. And, uh, and I think we had a few more non-dates. Uh, <laughs> and, then, and then I... But what it, what it turned out she meant, as she clarified later, was she just didn't want to date a stereotypical actor. She mm-hmm. dated a few of those. So, you know, unfortunately, <laughs> to be an actor, it does take a bit of – you have to have a little bit of ego to do it, I think, right. because of the thick skin required. But unfortunately for many actors, uh, particularly the male variety, that I, I think there's a danger that that tips over into too much yeah, sure. egocentricity. We, we've talked about narcissism, Nar- narcissism in acting yeah. and uh, how – 
Yeah, you do need a little bit of ego to present yourself. You got to be self-focused yeah, without. Sure. So I think she clarified that she just didn't want to date that kind of actor, but she thought perhaps I was not that kind of actor, and I've, I've worked hard throughout a relationship <laughs> to not be that actor mm-hmm. and to make sure I'm leaving uh, room in my life uh, for much more than just my own uh, my own ego. So, uh, so yeah, I convinced her of that eventually, and uh, yeah, we, we spent a while uh, sort of dating casually, and then I, I just sort of realized that this was a great thing. And you know, the nice thing about meeting when you're older uh, and having some experience with relationships and other people is, you know, the grass isn't greener. Like I right. met her, and I was like, oh, right. this, this is, this is right. She was the first woman I ever. Um, I, I both thought would be a wonderful life partner and I was in love with, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like I always had some reservations on one side or the other in uh-huh. the past. I sure, think. sure. Uh, maybe I didn't realize it at the time, but, um, but yeah. And so that was the point where I was like, oh, this is, yeah. this is good. And she's an actress too, right? So yes, she comes from mm-hmm. an acting background. She's a great actor. And I, we did get to do one show together. We did the Grapes of Wrath together. Oh, oh wow. Trend, trend Tracy, which was really fun. She played a dude a lot of the time, which mm. was great. Uh, um, that was a theater first show, ah, but okay. it was um, back when Michael Storm was in charge, and they were oh, at Oakland right, School yeah. for the Arts, yeah. and uh, so it was a black box, and the set was just a big pile of dirt, uh, mm. and it was eight actors all playing multiple roles. Mm-hmm. I was the preacher, um, and uh, yeah, so she was uh, Tom Jode's brother, Al, I think is his mm-hmm. name, and, and um. a bunch of other parts. Uh, anyway, it was great that the car was a bed frame. We'd all uh, go around. It was oh, all modern wow. music. We were I seeing Kanye see and yeah. Radiohead, and like it was... It was a really <laughs> interesting production. I, you know, I didn't see it, so whether it was 100% successful, I don't know. But I right. think it was really interesting and yeah. working hard to try to modernize the story of the Joads so it wasn't just mm-hmm. a, a white dust bowl story, but right. a, yeah, a modern story. Wow, how nice! Yeah. And so you two, I mean, you know, you've got a family, you've got a daughter. Uh, yeah, and so I like bonded over wonderful. that. Um, what I was going to say about Emily is she's a wonderful actor and uh, and has also uh, she's also a great director and choreographer uh, and. And then uh, after Cal Shake, she took this job. Uh, she's been for, I think, eight years. I think this is maybe her eighth year at Bentley School, mm. uh, teaching drama at a private school for uh, mostly junior high, but actually for the whole lower school. She does something like eight shows a year. Like wow. It's almost like one for every class at the lower school. Just saw her second grade play. It was yeah, amazing. Yeah, I, I saw the little flyer. It's called Superheroes, it. and it was yes. it was all about superheroes' uh, daily life struggles, like when they're not being superheroes, <laughs> and like, oh, uh-huh. uh, no understand W2s. Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> Smash IRS. <laughs> <laughs> and Aquaman's trying to, like, save a woman who had her purse snatched, but he can only help if, she, if the criminal's near water. Well, if you can get the criminal to go near Lake Merritt, there's goldfish in there, and I'll have them. Ju- it was a lot of the humor was more funny for grown-ups, but right. the kids did a great show. Directed them very yeah, well, and they really sold it. And they wrote original music. The music teacher and oh, the kids were wow. drumming. Wow. It was a great production. She always does it, just spins gold out of straw. I mean, mm-hmm. over there, they don't give her a lot of support or budget, but somehow they're always great, and the kids get so much out of it. And mm-hmm. So she's wonderful at that job. That said, I think after many years doing it, she really misses being a part of the grown up professional right. theater community she feels like she's lost in touch with that and so we're trying to figure out it was sort of a fair deal when uh, the baby was first born I right. was mostly working my day job from home taking care of the child during the day while Emily worked and then she could have time with Lucy at night and I would go do shows and that seemed like sort of a fair trade at the time mm-hmm. but now that Lucy's in school during the day most days and I'm not home with her as much mm-hmm. uh not only do, do I feel like I don't want to be gone all the nights and weekends then, right. I want to be around for it, but also 
it's sort of not fair now that uh, Emily doesn't get to go do adult theater too. Now it's hard to find room for that when she's so busy with her job right. as well, and also wants time with Lucy. But we're trying to figure out yeah, there are windows how to get her windows. back into <coughs> it um, in in ways that wouldn't sap all her energy or free time, but would give her another creative uh, yeah adult. You know, it's interesting. We've had we've had actors come on, and usually they are single mothers. Um, who Often, try to balance yeah. theater oh plus man, taking I care. Oh, man, Because child care is so expensive. Like, it's really changed the game yeah. for me in terms of what I can do. When we talked earlier about, you know, maybe as a professional actor, I want to choose this low-paying job because it's great. It's sort of, unfortunately, or fortunately, it, it re- you have to reorganize your priorities with right. a child in so many ways. But, but it comes down very simply to I just have to say no to a job if I'm going to lose money because I'm paying for child care. Right. Sure. Exactly. Um, sure. And luckily right. we have yeah. a great network of friends and my parents mm-hmm. who have helped us out a lot. Yeah. Uh, have you ever thought about bringing your child to the theater? Certainly. And she's very interested and excited by it. We're obviously not pushing her into it. My wife never lets me forget before she was born. Um, she said, would you want our daughter to be in, in, in theater? And, and I said, well. Uh, what I meant to say was, well, if she's interested and that's right. what she wants to do, mm-hmm. what came out of my mouth was, I mean, if she has talent. So that one, never allowed to forget. You know, it remains to be seen whether uh, she's going to have talent for it. But she, I do have a work permit for her, and we've done a couple commercials together, which has been yeah, really nice. fun. Oh, and sweet. she loves to come to our show. She came to As You Like It mm-hmm. four or five times. Yeah. She sings the songs at home. She oh, puts nice. on little shows. She's very good at taking bounce. Oh, wow. That's her main. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I was also suggesting if you don't have daycare, that theater companies, you know, let's say before you take some. a job, can say, yes, yeah, some, some. Yeah. can say, well, do you mind if I have my daughter or son? SF here? Shakes was actually great about it. We that's had a true. number of days when there were there were children around, mm-hmm. not yeah. just one. Yeah, that's a company run by a woman with children, so she's very sympathetic to that. Yeah, so hopefully theater companies will be more open to that. I would hope. Um, yeah. So how so – one last question because we run into the hour mark. We're sure. having so much fun. Um how is how is Bay Area Theater treating you? I mean, are you getting the most out of it? Are you frustrated? I was kind of curious just to, to mm-hmm. lead yeah. into that. Yeah. So you came back to the Bay from school? Sort of. I had a Kerouac period uh, post-school. Jack Kerouac. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I was real, real at him at the end of college. So I really wanted to see the country. I, okay. uh, I'd also read this John Steinbeck book um, called Travels, Travels with, with Charlie. Charlie. And, uh, uh. yeah, I just I was like, that's the life for me while mm-hmm. I can, while I have no attachments and mm-hmm. I don't need much money, you know. I, so I took a job, uh, an internship at a theater in the Poconos uh, right mm. after college, and I drove on okay. a road trip there with some friends. And that was the beginning of my romance with just driving around the country. So I went to every state except Alaska wow. uh, in my car, uh, just driving around. And I, I ended up doing a children's tour, a children's theater touring uh, job with this really cool company. I should see if they're still around, uh, the National Theater for Children. Oh, they had okay. a great model where the schools, we'd go into schools and perform these half-hour educational shows, and they w- their subject matter was either um, – you know, uh, water conservation or safety with electricity. Mm-hmm. So they were totally sponsored by the local power company or utility. Right. So it was free to the schools, but right. paid us pretty well. Uh-huh. And that uh, gave us the opportunity to travel around and a lot of responsibility. You know, you sort of got a budget, and it was up to you to pick a hotel in that budget. And if mm-hmm. you went over, it was on you. But if you went under, you could use that money to stay at a nicer place the next sure. week. You know? mm. uh, it was a great model. They, they were uh, based in Minneapolis. So that gave me a lot of opportunity to drive around, too. And in between things, I'd take another route home and stay with my folks for a little while and then mm. go out on the road again. So I did that for a few years and then around 2003, I think, so a few mm-hmm. 
few years <coughs> after college. I uh, sort of settled permanently back here by accident. You know, I got one show and then I got another one after oh, it. Oh, cool. I was staying with my parents and then my friend that was in the show said, I'm looking for an apartment in San Francisco. And this was an era when you could afford that. Right. Yeah. Life. Mm-hmm. And um, so we got an apartment together and that was great. And I was in Hayes Valley for a while then. Ooh. But pretty Hayes much Valley. since 2003, I've been settled uh, settled here and doing theater. So, so that's a pretty long time in the Bay Area, mm-hmm. which is a place, at least it was when it was more affordable, I, that I think of as sort of people come for a while, find themselves, and move on. Right. Of course, I was sort of from here, not San Francisco, but the South Bay, and so so I sort of had some roots and appreciation for this uh, this area in general. But it also gives you a vision of I also felt like I'd seen the rest of the country evolved here. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'd worked other places and, and been other places, and I I like a lot of other places and could see living somewhere else, but. Uh, but also because I've seen that, I feel like I have the the authority to say, like, this is a great place. Mm-hmm. Like, even with everything that's challenging here, uh, mm-hmm. particularly e- economically. Yeah, there's a reason it's so expensive. It's a place people want to be. Like, right. you know, sure. And yeah, that's that exactly is, yeah, right. That is definitely a factor. Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, you, you you were here, you know, in 2003 in Hayes Valley, and I'm sure a lot has changed since then. Oh, oh man, it's um, a different place. H- how do you feel about how things are now? I mean, are you frustrated or are you – you know, are you still getting the most that you want out of? Well, you're theater? in the East Bay now. Uh, right? Yeah, so we did leave San Francisco and Berkeley. Uh, when when Emily and I wanted to move in together, I had an apartment in Bernal Heights at the time. Uh, but it was Ooh, little, um, nice. Yeah, it's a, it a great place. But I sort of had a lot of history there that she didn't really want to be a part of. Mm-hmm. And, and her apartment here was a little small for two. She had a great place uh, near Piedmont Avenue in Oakland. Mm-hmm. But um, well, so I lived on Piedmont yeah? Avenue. Well, Linda Avenue. Okay, she was on Manila oh, right. near. You remember I remember that, yes. Manila and uh, near MacArthur and 40th and mm-hmm. uh, 38th yeah. and Manila, I think. Anyway, it's a great place, too. But neither one was sort of right for both of us. So we started looking. And, ah, <laughs> uh, gosh, this was probably, what, eight years ago now? Eight or nine? So 2010-ish, 11, 12, uh, and I remember, like, I still would wanted to stay in the city, ideally. We just right. wanted a big enough apartment for two, and, and sh- but I was open to these. And she lived in the city before that, too, so she was open. But we just literally never saw a single thing that we could have afforded in the right. city at that time. And I remember we even decided just to explore all avenues. We put on Craigslist an apartment wanted at, just like, hey – Here's us. We're these this nice young couple. Uh, here's what we do, and we are looking for an affordable. Doesn't have to be a fancy place, you know. And the only response we got was from a woman writing an article for the Chronicle about how expensive San Francisco <laughs> was getting. <laughs> and we ended up the first line in that article is pretty embarrassing. <laughs> Emily uh, Morrison and Michael Austin are not highly paid tech workers. <laughs> you know, and then it just went on to say like, and if you're not, oh, wow. it's very difficult. You know, they interviewed us. Mm. It was very funny. funny. Anyway, so we found a place in Oakland, and then uh, when we were ready to buy our house, we bought it in Berkeley. Yeah. Oh, wow. Homeowner. That's fantastic. Yeah, well, that was, again, just all sort of luck and privilege. Timing. We, yeah. Um, yeah, Emily had a, a wonderful single uncle who um, uh, passed away uh, from cancer uh, right around the time we were looking. And we had a little money saved up, but I had no idea how, I really had no idea how, how expensive and difficult it was to buy a house here. And mm-hmm. uh and we just so happened to get some inheritance right at the right time, you know. And, and we, it's sort of a sad irony is that he was an architect. And there's every time we think about, like, oh, I wonder what he would have said about this, you know, when we want to fix something on the house. Or mm-hmm. that, you know. <laughs> but we have his portrait up on the house, and there's mm-hmm. not a day goes by in our house. I don't uh, think about how grateful, yeah. mm. uh, you know, and lucky we are to. So how's, tr- how's theater treating you these days? 
pretty good. Uh, it's an interesting thing. Uh, so going back to like, it's funny. I, I do feel like there was some part of luck and and privilege in me getting into theater as a child. Like that, that's just sort of what people like me did where I was from. And then there's an interesting thing to the evolution of theater now where now that theaters, particularly in the Bay Area, are interested in diversifying and, and showing a more uh, equitable world in the world as it is, there were a lot of seasons this year I looked at when they got announced that there was not a single role for me. And, oh, mm. and, uh-huh. and like it was an interesting, like, and that's been going on the last few years, but particularly this mm. year, a couple big theaters I usually audition for a lot. I was like, I don't think I even need to go to those generals this year. And that's an interesting feeling which you're just like, oh, I guess this is what everyone else has felt like for my whole career is mm-hmm. like that there aren't many opportunities. And it's uh, it's not wrong. It's great. Like, But it's an interesting mm-hmm. uh, shift. It's interesting to have your mm-hmm. privilege shifted a little. You know, mm-hmm. I don't deny I still have plenty of privilege. Like, But uh, that's been interesting to look at. Uh, my friend Cassidy Brown and I talk about it a lot. Mm-hmm. Cassidy Brown, we had him on. Yeah? yeah. So maybe that came up with him too. You know, he's like, it's funny to see this change because – when you're an old white dude, you're looking at it and you're like, yay, darn. Like, you know, it's, yeah. it's for the best. It right. is the best. It's great. And then also like. But that could also be a bit unfortunate. I mean, I think you can still have a diversity story and still have. I mean, not that you would be cast as a villain. Uh, well, that's okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah I like those. It, it was funny, though, looking at like uh, SHX is doing Lear, right? Right. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. Are they going to go the Vanessa Redgrave route? Are they going with a female? Oh, yeah, that would be interesting. And that would be. That would be fascinating. But then what does it mean for the rest of the characters? And Uh I was like, oh, shit. Where's my job? Uh, Yeah, no, (laughs) sure. It's exactly that thing you're talking about. Yeah, we're in that shift. Yeah. Like I think of my friend Tom Riley. He was an older gentleman. I think we've had him on. Mm -hmm. And we've been on stage a bunch of times, and the stories that we've told together have been about diversity. We did Grey Gardens. Mm -hmm. Oh, and uh, that, I mean, I was a butler, but I was a butler who was sort of a confidant, the one that um, the um, the Bouvier uh-huh. character could mm-hmm. talk to because, mm-hmm. I, you know, she was estranged from her family, so she could only talk to the one person who's always been there for right. her. Huh. And, you know, Tom played, I guess, the father who was, you know, very, mm-hmm. you know, authoritative and all that sort of stuff. But also he was Lincoln, and when we did um, oh. uh, uh, Civil, Civil War, War Christmas. Christmas, and, of course, that had a lot of diversity to it. Um, so, you know, Tom has always been, I guess it's up to theater companies as to how to use. I mean, when I think of diversity, I don't just think of people of color, but, you know, white people are part of the diversity as well. It depends on what story is being told I and how you tell it. Uh, yeah, I think for me, that is where I'd like to see. It needs to come from all sides, but in terms of uh, diversification and showing the real world, I think the answer to me lies more in let's tell everybody's stories as opposed to telling them the same old story. Right. Right. That's not to undervalue those stories and, and how well some of them are written, but but yeah, let's let's tell new stories as opposed to yeah, I don't know, uh, trying to yeah cram it into s- yeah, I, yeah. I it, it's interesting. Yeah. yeah, and I don't think it excludes like you know I'm seeing all sorts of stories getting back into current events, mm-hmm. but we've talked about. What, you know, like kids, like I see, you know, like I think this week there were a bunch of shootings that happened. Uh, again, yes. And it's it's always usually, you know, some uh, young, unfortunately white kid who is, feels, you know, um, devalued. Right. And he grabs a gun and he just, you know, boom, boom, boom. Yeah. And, you know, that's, there's a story behind that, you know, yeah. like what story can we tol- tell about, you know, uh, a young boy who just wants to be loved and wants to be cared for? 
Well, in that world, I mean, so this is the place, and it's always funny to me when people try to prescribe what writers should be doing. Mm-hmm. But what you what gets tired for an audience is that issue story where you're beating us up with this issue, and it should be, it should be. Mm-hmm. What becomes way more fascinating is you can populate the world of one of those characters with all of us and then show that disconnect for that character. Mm-hmm. You still give us a rich – you can give us a rich story. You can give us a story that reflects a world, but it doesn't necessarily answer because the big response you hear to all these things is we never knew. You know, so <laughs> yeah, many yeah, other, yeah. We never knew. And right. so – I think that story needs to be told because I'm so tired of hearing that every little town where there's one of these shootings and they go, we don't live in a town like that. It's like, yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. <laughs> right now, you do. I didn't yeah. talk about it. And then yeah. so happened. to tell uh, our story in that way mm-hmm. helps us to start to understand what it is we're missing. Exactly. Uh, maybe. Yeah, and and to bring it back a little bit to your original question, I don't want to leave it on a note of feel. You know, I'm not trying to complain or say that I, I haven't had plenty of opportunity and and privilege throughout my uh, career. Uh, but uh, in terms of how Bay Area uh, Theater Tree now, like, uh, yeah, I think it's it's still great. There's still lots of great opportunities out there, and I, I'm really excited to see what's next. Uh, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in Norman's place a little bit, you know, uh, because, yeah, we, we had our show close at the end of the summer, and I'm glad to be on a break. It's nice to be able to spend some time with After family. After all that time, yeah. Be able to yeah. travel, that's great. But I also am ready to know what's next. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, waiting to hear about a few things. And uh, i got some irons in the fire. And, uh, oh, fantastic. Well, and I would point out the other thing and ask you to, to, to talk about that a little bit. And that is that you've already mentioned, you know, you're involved with theater first. Yeah. Just Us is still having conversations. Um, there's a way where you're not just that actor waiting for the phone to ring. You're kind of engaged, and you know, camera work, and yeah, and yeah, you always have, you know, and all the other little weird. <laughs> things yeah, that I'm come doing up. playground. I'm doing playground this Monday night. That's, Are a, you that's a great one. Oh, right on. Your, uh, it's the only show I have on my list. <laughs> oh, good. Yes, <laughs> I've got a couple. Yeah, oh, good, this good. is Monday night playground. That's I'm doing one written by Ron Campbell. Um, oh, it's very my good. My wife just met him. Oh yes. Yes, and he bragged about the piece. Oh good. Yes, I'm playing a dog. <laughs> I don't want to give away too much, <laughs> but I'm very excited about it with. Uh, Hopefully you have a speaking role. Oh, yeah. Do you speak? Okay. I, we do speak. The dog that speaks? Yeah, just the inner voice of the, oh. okay. the dogs. I think it'll be very funny. I'm that excited. The fun. theme is anthropomorph, so there might be a <laughs> lot of animals on, <laughs> on no the stage. Doubt. Right on. And this one's at Freight and Salvage, which will be fun. Oh, that's right. Uh, yeah, yeah, because, they, because of the yeah. Uh, get getting on the Berkeley rep schedule. Now, there's a company that's doing stuff, Playground. It's an exciting company. It fulfills a role. Mm-hmm. It frustrates lots of people. I had that conversation with almost everybody who's involved or wants to be involved with Playground, but... You know, that frustration is just the nature of the business, I think, Mm -hmm. on some level. Yeah. If you're really trying to – if you're that lucky person who just always stays busy and your biggest frustration is you just don't have any free time, (laughs) yay for you. (laughs) First world problems. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, but I like what – I feel like what you're getting at with, yeah, make sure you stay involved and busy. And if making your own work is clearly the most fulfilling and best way to go. Like, unfortunately for me, like, I feel like my best talents and best passions are sort of – telling other people's stories like mm-hmm. as opposed to I don't know that I have a story inside me that I um, the world needs to hear uh, mm-hmm. or that I need to tell yeah, uh, but but I, th- I do think making your own opportunity however you do that that's is the only way to mm-hmm. fulfillment right you know you just you can't sit around in the in the theater uh, world and wait for someone else to give you a role you know you got to go out there or, you know right. and, you know my wife and I often fantasize about like well 
look, this is the role I want to play. I'm good for it. Let's just produce it. You can do mm -hmm. that, too. Right. Like, yeah. right. That's the point you get. How about to. writing? Do if you write? You get the, um, I used to write more. Uh, I haven't as much uh, recently. But, yeah, I used to write both songs and plays. And oh. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So the bug may come. Yeah, <laughs> it could come back. That's right. Yeah, if you get, I mean, basically, I think, yeah, we'll see. If I don't, if I don't get another role in a couple months, probably I will uh, be driven to do that, you know, and yeah. I think, I think that's great. There you go. All right, shout outs. Birthdays. Birthdays. Not a lot this week. Uh, Danny Kovics um, is a Bay Area actor. Um, and it's funny, I think our connection goes decades back, mm -hmm. <laughs> but I can't remember what it is specifically. On the other end of the spectrum, Alex Wong is a musician and songwriter, and he was part of a trio that created a piece called The Paper Raincoat that I got to workshop mm. uh, almost a year ago, and then we did it in January. I'm going through my calendar now and going, oh, what was I doing this year? And I'm like, that's what I started my year with. Um, and so, yeah, his birthday is coming up this week, mm -hmm. I think maybe today. Uh, Stuart Evan Smith. Um, is a, I used to say young, but he's no longer that young, um, black actor, tall, thin, and our connection, we both did um, with Unconditional Theater, no, Unconditional Theater, no, um, oh, Cliff's Company, um, ah, I can't think of it right now, I almost wore the t-shirt, um, Anyway, they did a 43 plays for 43 presidents. We had five actors, Ooh, and there yeah. were yeah. two black men, mm -hmm. me, and Stuart. Mm -hmm. And he's tall, way younger than me, black man. And there are only five actors in the show. Mara was best friends with the producers and the director. And uh, Louise Chedwigen, who was the um, – she was one of the actors. Um, they had raised kids together. So she came to see the show, does not remember me. Oh. We have these <laughs> moments in our lives where we have intersected. Mm -hmm. But Stuart – and I'm like, there were only two black guys on stage. You didn't notice me? <laughs> <laughs> Who was your favorite president to be? I was so many. Bill Clinton was fun. Oh, yeah. I, I could see I'm that. America's <laughs> first black president. That's one of the quotes. Oh, so funny. Fun. Uh, Deborah Elizier is um, somebody I went to college with and still does stuff. And, in fact, I think I saw a thing from her with um, – why do I forget these companies' names? <laughs> Another company that is doing some workshops. Mm. Um, they used to be way more active in uh, – Fool's Fury. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, ensemble workshops. Um, but she uh, has been part of a group that has been creating their own works for decades now and doing very well. Amy Nielsen is a young woman who I met at the alley singing, and then she was said she did musicals. And so I ended up going and seeing a couple of Marx Brothers pieces that were done up in El Cerrito because she played harpo. Oh, cool. Oh. Which is funny because, I mean, she didn't sing. Okay. I played Groucho. Does she have red hair? No, she had um, a blonde. Okay. But she would do a wig. Donald Lacey, if you don't know uh -huh. Donald Lacey, you should. He's um, one of the black, area, black actors in the Bay Area. He's a creator. Mm -hmm. He's a poet. Um, and as you go to almost any entrance to Oakland where it says, Welcome to Oakland, it says, Love Life. That is a foundation that was created because his daughter was killed in a... I've reached out to him. Um, yeah. He's been busy, obviously, but uh, yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. his birthday's coming up this week. Uh, Lisa Friedman, who runs the Z-Space, I believe. Yep. Yep. Um, and was so happy to see um, when they did uh, Weightless with the uh, Kale Bangs, the musicians who created the music for As You Like It this summer. So With mm -hmm. Phil Wong. With Phil Wong. Um, 
Dave, wow, I misspelled his name, Dave Gassner, David Gassner, uh, somebody I went to high school with, and the first time I did a show off campus, um, there was a community theater nearby, I heard he was going to the auditions, I went, I got in, he got in, he just posted that he is about to do a musical for the first time in decades, he's up in Seattle now, mm. I'm like, yay, glad to see he's still doing theater. Coleman Domingo, probably the most famous person that I've <laughs> interacted with. Um, his birthday is coming up this week, and you know it's impossible to list everything that Coleman is doing because every time I watched a BoJack, we watched BoJack Horseman. I love that too. And um, so there was one where they went back to the mother's house. He was hanging out in the old house, the uh-huh. rundown house. There was an old black guy next door who kept having yep. beef with. That was Coleman. Ah. At the end of the show, I'm like, who? Wait a minute, who was Sounds that? We familiar. looked at the voices. I was like, That's, I didn't even recognize the voice because he did this old black man so perfectly. Holly Bradford, the first uh, theater, which was my first time doing a show with um, SF Shakes. I did a school tour. Mm-hmm. And by the time I finished that show, there had been 14 actors. Out oh. of the five actors that we had, I had been on stage with 14 people, including a high school student. Because Holly, one day, her engine went out on the freeway on her way to this show. And we mm-hmm. were already there. Mm-hmm. And we said, well, wait a minute. We're in a high school. They have a theater department. We put a script in a kid's hand, this girl's hand, put her up on stage and pushed her around. They loved it. She loved it. It's awesome. Um, and Holly has also been involved with um, Anton's Well. Very nice. So, you know, she's – I love it when somebody's still doing it. Mm-hmm. And Tandiwe Bishazor. That's right. Did you have that one on your list? I did, but that's okay. Yeah, Tandiwe. I met Tandiwe, and we ended up casting him. Uh, when I first got to work with Ridge is when we did a Richard Wright project. Yep, to before the dream. The centennial, before the dream. And we were trying to find a James Baldwin character. You know, it needed to be a young black man. And Richard and I went to this bar. And, oh, actually, I think it was Alan and I. Alan anyway, Thompson, one of my yeah. friends. Yeah. Um, and I went to this bar. And we're hanging out. And we kick this picture. There's a poster up against the bar. And we kick it. And I'm like, oh, wait, what's that? We pull it out. And it's a great day in Harlem. Uh-huh. You know, that photograph. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. For that one photograph. Yeah. So, and he didn't know the story. So I'm telling him the story to the extent that I know it, which is not very well. Mm-hmm. And so I'm desperately trying to, like, I know that if you look in the photo, you can see where the drummers are and mm-hmm. where a group of trumpet players are. Yeah. Cause, and if you see the footage of it, the film leading mm-hmm. up to it, you see these people coming together and chatting. And it's this generation oh, of see the jazz film. musicians. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. incredible. That's all I know. And so the only other little fact I know is in the front of it is a group of little black kids who were playing in the street when they were getting ready to do this photo. Mm -hmm. And somebody said, hey, get those kids, get those kids. That's the next generation. Bring them over and have them sit down in front. Mm -hmm. So that's all I really know. And after I finish saying that, this young guy bumps and says, oh, you know, it's funny. That story, the thing is, those little kids in front, and I'm like, who the hell are you? Like a little Mm 24-year-old Tom D-Way. That's how we met. Wow. And I'm staring at this black guy with a friggin' mohawk. And going, wait a minute, mohawk. <laughs> you could be James Baldwin if you'll cut that mohawk off. Yeah. And he agreed. And will you tell you me, what? do you remember what he said about the little kids? Now I'm curious. Oh, the same thing. Oh, okay. Were, he he said that. exactly okay. what I had just said. So he knew the story. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just, but I'm looking at him like, you're 24. What you didn't even know he was an actor. I did not. Wow. And so I'd asked him if he'd be interested, and he said, well, yeah. And so we ended up bringing him in and for the next reading. And he was incredible. Because Baldwin was fantastic. And so he's doing theater in Atlanta. Yeah. Th- theater and film. Yeah. In Atlanta. And he's producing, yeah. And they have a pretty good film market stuff. there, I think. I don't know. It's why. happening right yeah. now. 
So anyway, yeah. those are those are my birthdays for the week. So my birthday, yeah, Tandy was it has, was just fantastic. Uh, also, today's birthday, Chuck Laxon. Uh, he is a comedian, stand-up comedian, and also he is a um, resident of Bindlestiff Studios. Uh, he and his mm. wife, Julie Coabara, that's another uh, wonderful uh, husband-wife acting Theater group. powerhouse. Theater yes. powerhouse. I mean, they're like a super couple. And um, he also does a lot of cosplay. He goes to these uh, oh. Comic-Con places and all that sort of stuff. But just a wonderful personality. And he is, for his birthday, they do these fundraisers. So he's fundraising for Bindlestiff, the 30th anniversary. Oh, nice. So, uh, yeah. Chuck Maybe and we can get him on for a Valentine's Day. You know, I've, I've tried to get him on. He was like, you know, I don't like, I, I don't know. Oh, I guess he doesn't like okay. hearing his voice or whatever. <laughs> I was like, yeah, okay. Funny. You know, I try pushing people, and I'm like, okay, never mind. Right. So in any case, his birthday is today. Happy birthday, Chuck, if you're listening. Also today, Jennifer Lucas. So she is an older actress. Uh, she and I acted on uh, 110 in the Shade, mm-hmm. where I played a black Bill Starbuck, and that right. was fun. Oh. And uh, she was one of the uh, townspeople, but, uh, you know, she had just wonderful uh, energy. Uh-huh. And so her birthday is today. Also on Friday, yesterday... Keaton Wilkerson, we had him on. He's a oh. fantastic singer. He sang in um, Women on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, wonderful, bubbly spirit. Great range. I think he can hit an A and a B. You know, just fantastic first tenor. Uh, also, um, someone who graduated with me at Duke Ellington, Robert Dickman. Uh, one of the few white guys who was in the theater department. Uh, they weren't a lot in, <laughs> in the Chocolate City. <laughs> but he, he was just tremendous. And he actually, while he was like 14, 15, he actually did actual stage stuff. So that's how talented he was. Yay. He's in Hawaii. I have no idea if he's actually doing theater, mm-hmm. but he's enjoying himself. So happy birthday, Robert, if you're still listening. Uh, Paul Danhauser, I think I talked about him before. He and I, uh, he is the husband of the director uh, who directed uh, me in The Chain, and that was uh, Play Cafe. I don't know if you know Musical oh. Cafe and Play Cafe, but they uh, feature budding new musical songwriters mm-hmm. and uh, mu- and musical writers. Right. And so we did like a little 20-minute uh, Oh, play. one of the little shorts. Yeah. Exactly. So, And also Alan Thompson. You talked about him, but you didn't mention it was his birthday. <laughs> He's not a theater guy. <laughs> oh, well, he, he's a theater aficionado. He is my oldest friend. Yes, and his birthday and he's was coming yesterday. To see, his birthday was yesterday, and he's coming to see Midsummer Night's Dream tonight. All right, right on. Thursday, uh, this coming Thursday, actually, Thanksgiving, I've talked about him, Tom Riley. Oh, um, veteran actor, we've had him on. I forget what episode he's on, mm-hmm. but he's played a bunch of folks of, you know, he's an older gentleman. I think he's in his 60s or 70s, but still a lot of tremendous energy. You know, mm-hmm. when, I be, when I get that age, I want to still, you know, have that type of energy that he mm-hmm. has. Uh, so his birthday will be on Thanksgiving. And I think the last person, um, well, we mentioned Tandiwe, mm-hmm. but also on Friday, um, there is a woman who is an actress, but she's also a professor. She teaches acting oh. at, um, oh, I want to guess the, it's a, it's a college in, it's a college in Pennsylvania. Oh. I can't, I think, I oh. can't think of it. Her name is Cassie Johnson-Jones. I knew her when she, before she was married, Cassie Johnson. Um, Lehigh, Lehigh University. Uh-huh. So in any case, uh, so happy birthday to all those folks. Yay. 
and I show think the only show I've got is, and apparently Michael's going to be in uh, the playground coming up yeah, Monday. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Uh, uh, well, and, and you can plug your last two performances, oh, although they're yeah, sold out. That's right. I was going to plug Midsummer. Sold out, yeah. So, uh, you know, um, the last show is tomorrow. Yeah. I would say get tickets, but I guess you can't. No, no. in <laughs> fact, when they announced it in the dressing room last night, the actors suddenly, a negotiation started happening. <laughs> and somebody may be sitting up in the booth. Good. Uh-huh. Somebody's friend may be up in the booth. Don't tell the fire department. Good. Well, uh, no. Ubuntu is having Mahabharata. Oh, I forgot about that. Yes. So that closes, uh, that opened November the 15th. It closes December the 8th. Uh, the Theater Project, uh, you can click on that mm-hmm. to get information. We'll have those in the show notes. Also, Hello, Dolly. I've been pushing that. That also closes tomorrow. Alicia uh, Von Kugelgen and also Eiko Yamamoto is oh in right. that. And she yes. was a guest on there. Um, Plethos. As a matter of fact, Plethos is just, I think they're They're sold out. They're sold out. Oh, they're going to extend. They're going to extend. Yay! And they've been nominated for TBA. Yeah, I know. Next to Normal. Mm -hmm. So fantastic to uh, Plethos and Next to Normal. That's a company that has just been growing and growing. I wish I could see that show. Yeah, yeah. Are they just extending one week? I think so. Uh, here, let me let me click on the link here. I think I can. Well, uh, and are they gonna? They're gonna run Thanksgiving weekend. Let's see. Uh, plus the next the next, next the weekend after that, I could actually make. I can't. Eighth to twenty fourth. I thought they were extending. Maybe they haven't up, um, updated their um, their website. But I thought I read something. Well, I don't have it here now. Okay. But I will. Um, well, look because they were very pleased that they. Yeah. <coughs> And it's a very powerful musical. It deals with. Yeah, um, I haven't seen it, but I want to. Is that mm-hmm. that's not the one that Peter's in? Is it uh, Peter Silstra from our summer troupe? He's oh, in next he to normal right be. now. I think he might be. Uh, I've got but the pictures here. I don't think one. so. Okay. Yeah, I don't think I don't believe so. Huh. But our good friend uh, Michael Dorado, yeah. is is in it. But in any case, so that is it. Michael? Unless you've got any, you want to. I don't think so right now. I mean, I not that they need any. Um, any publicity, probably, but we're going to go see the Berkeley Rep uh, family sort of kids show oh. musical. Uh, it's for a company called Pigpen. They're bringing it in. Oh, uh, right, yes. And it's The Tale of Despero. Uh, I haven't read the book to my daughter. I'm going to see if it's appropriate for her. Maybe we'll read it first, but we're going to bring her mm-hmm. and one of her little friends. Uh, actually, I guess her parents are coming too. Uh, uh, Eric Ting, who runs Cal Shakes yeah. now, uh, mm-hmm. his daughter is a friend of Lucy's from school. They're the oh, same cool, age, cool. so oh, we're nice. go with them mm-hmm. check that out. And uh, yeah, so we're going to see that. I might take her to Frog and Toad, a year with Frog and Toad at Bay Area Children's Theater later today. Oh. Uh, Emily is directed and choreographed for them as well, mm. so we have a good relationship with those guys. And they do great stuff. I, I wish they had union, but it's yeah. all right. I can't right. work for them, but I, I do like them a lot and think they do great stuff. Well, they've been kids. growing. Oh, man. That's one of those companies where it's like, wow, you guys are doing something right yeah they do like four shows and they're bringing it back oh yeah this one's uh it's it's already they've done it a few times but yeah they did it on the berkeley stage Mm -hmm. because i remember for playground once we had to do our show on that stage it was it was annoying (laughs) yeah it's a it's a good one i think this time it's five actors playing multiple roles so it should be fun too Mm. Mm -hmm. yeah did you enjoy yourself absolutely thank you guys (laughs) so much this was fun yeah no it was fantastic and i think we've uh yeah, hour and a half. Oh, jeez. Yeah. I love the long ones. <laughs> I'm always fighting with uh, him about it. But it was a great conversation, so I didn't want to. Yeah, yeah. It's funny. When we were talking to who interviewed us for the yay, and they were oh, mentioning right. they were mentioning how we're the only one. I mean, there are a bunch of theater podcasts, but we're the only ones who have the long form, at least, you know, mm-hmm. the ones that he knows. And, you know, we just, we just love the stream of consciousness conversations. Mm-hmm. I get the feeling that people feel comfortable 
talking to us. Yay. So that's cool. In any case, here is my blurb. You can find the Yay and the Apple podcast on all iPhones and iPads, really any app that you listen to a podcast, you can find us. If you are an old stogie like me and you listen to your podcast on a laptop or a desktop, you can go on iTunes and find us. We're also on Spotify. Uh, if you're an Android user, you can use the SoundCloud app or just go on SoundCloud.com. The Yay was created by theater people for theater people. If you have a show you want to advertise, you just want to advertise yourself, let us know. Hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram. You can find me at Reg Space Clay. And I'm at Hoosier Hoosier. Michael, do you have a uh, I do have a website, uh, MichaelBarrettAustin.com. My okay. full name, Michael spelled the usual way. Barrett has uh, two R's and two T's, B-A-R-R-E-T-T. Austin, like the city in Texas. All right. And uh, how about Twitter, Snapchat? Uh, any of that I'm just stuff? on the Instagram uh, under my own name, Michael Barrett Austin. <laughs> so All right. Please. So uh, any um, uh, any uh, directors or producers, and you're looking for a great actor uh, and musician who could play the guitar, uh, hit up Michael Barrett Austin, also on Facebook. And we've, we've got, got to find a better sign And happy holidays to everyone. We won't see you again until after Thanksgiving, so happy holidays. Yeah. And we are out.